Welcome. You are listening to the Dawson Women's Ministry Podcast, Everywhere You Are. In this podcast, we explore these questions. Is women's ministry something you sign up for? Or is it something that occurs in the quiet of the early morning as you prepare for your day? In the nursery at night, up again for the baby's fourth waking? At your desk for yet another Zoom meeting? In your office, having a difficult conversation with a work peer? At Dawson, we recognize that women's ministry is not a class you join or a club you are a member of. Rather, it's living a life of service everywhere you are. On today's episode, we will continue the conversations between our four podcast hosts, Kristen Torres, Rachel Langston, Becca Jenkins, and Sarah Moreland. Our hosts will answer the question, who has most influenced your Christian walk? They will also stumble through reciting their favorite Bible verses. Did we mention this podcast is unscripted? Through this conversation, we hope you find a common thread of God's faithfulness in the lives of our four ordinary women. Okay, so is there anything passion-wise that y'all want to throw in? I know you've mentioned writing. Yeah. have talked about a little bit of writing. Yeah, I don't have anything. <laughs> I'm passionate about keeping my children alive. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. Yes. I was say, this is the first season of life where I've had any yeah. leeway in the time in my schedule to write. And even then I'm like, it's like I've forgotten how to do it almost. Yeah. I have to re-figure things out. So and I, I can remember, remember at her stage, what were you gonna say? Uh, well, I can remember saying, Well, now this is just a season, you know, you're gonna live, you know, and I thought I can remember saying to my husband, if one more person yeah. tells me. Yeah. This is a season that when my children are little, because right, mine are right. like two and a half years uh-huh. apart, so uh-huh. similar age differences. I, you know, I was like, I'm going to jump off at something because I, I cannot one more. Because I kept thinking, well, when they're this or when they get to this stage or when they all are in school, then I can. Da, 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 da. And of course, it never works out exactly that way. I just remember thinking, you know, I'm just trying to get through to lunch. Yeah, you know, like I don't. I, I can't think past that. Mm-hmm. So, I, I yeah, there are days it's hour by hour, minute by minute, and then absolutely, yes, for sure, absolutely. I also have major writing commitment issues. I don't know if you're like this, but I think also because I haven't had any time for eight years now, I've been building up these little ideas for eight years, and now that there's maybe every now and then like an hour in my schedule that I could write. I can't even figure out which one I want to work Your on. Way. I start working on one, yeah. and I'm like, oh, I don't like this. Let me get this one. <laughs> and I'm just like a little squirrel. Like, yeah. I don't even know what I'm doing. <laughs> so maybe when I actually work on something consistently for a few months, I'll have something to share about my passion. <laughs> but right now, my passion's a little scattered. <laughs> but I'm, I'm noticing, too, like, or at least I'm having to learn to say, Lord, I know that you can redeem this. Like, I'm just going to give a little bit. And I'm going to trust that if it's something you can use, that you're going to work that, you know, I can remember at your stage, I would keep like, just like journals throughout the house and just scribble down ideas or different things. I was really embarrassed because I took one of those journals on family vacation a week ago and Thomas got it and took it around the house and... (laughs) Some of my ideas are like children's books, and so it's these really silly, crazy ideas. And there was one that just said "Mama Kangaroo" something, something. And my mother-in-law saw it. She's like, "Why are you writing about Mama Kangaroo?" And I said, "I was like, 
distress. I don't even know how to explain it. What person has most influenced your Christian walk? And I, I mean, I would be hard pressed to say one particular person. So if there's one or two, I'll start off while y'all are kind of thinking. I had a. <laughs> there's an exercise class going on outside yeah, I this mean, room. <laughs> you know, Lord, we could have. Anyway, um, when I was a freshman in college, I decided I applied to be the youth intern with our um, youth minister that had been my youth minister because he was so influential in my life. So the summer after my senior, uh, the summer after my freshman year in college, I did that. He ended up being the minister that married us many years later. And just even today, I don't, we're not in super close touch, but he, I think he taught me the most about kind of a daily what a daily faith looks like and just really a passion for sharing Christ. And I haven't necessarily always done it the way he did it, but I just, he was also somebody that was a a lot of fun and he was one of the first people I knew that really could combine the two. And I could see that you could be, you could be somebody that loved to have fun and could cut up and goof off, but you could also be serious about your faith. He's always kind of been, by that time I was a Christian, but he's always been one of the most influential in terms of living out faith. And certainly I have parents and grandparents that were believers and that were big influences, but he, he's always the first one that comes to mind. My answer might sound a little cheesy and romantic, but it really is my husband. <laughs> I grew up in a Christian household and my parents would, they could tell their stories on this and their beautiful stories, but we just had very little understanding of the grace of God. And so I didn't even realize it, but the first 18 or so years of my life, I was just a very burdened, like not in a good way, (laughs) Christian who felt like, yes, Jesus died on the cross for me, so he must love me, but I don't think he likes me very much. (laughs) Um, I felt like I was just constantly disappointing God. It it was just hard for me to want to be in the word because I just, all I could feel was sin. Like I just thought that I was, I was wretched, which, you know, we are, but Christ redeems that and he gives us victory. And I had no concept of the victory. When Blake and I met, it was at student life camps, like I mentioned earlier. And it's amazing that the Lord, in a very roundabout way, I didn't even apply for this job, but my job at the camps was to, to write. It was to summarize the message that was being preached at each session throughout the day. And essentially the message was always, it was, you know, geared for middle and high school students. So it was just the gospel very simply. And so I was having to summarize every day in different, you know, whatever way the speaker was giving it the gospel and the Lord just used that to chip away um, at all the misunderstandings I had about him and his love, his unconditional love. And so after that summer, I just remember a lot of questions coming up and I actually wanted to study the Bible for the first time ever. And that led to a lot more questions. And I remember that's when Blake and I started dating. And so I remember having a lot of conversations with him, asking him his thoughts on certain passages and him directing me to different articles or commentaries and then finding just other, other people and other important person in my 
Faith Journey was my pastor when I was at Clemson at Cross Point. And, and just different pastors, Tim Keller, John Piper. Yes, uh, I was going to say Tim Keller is one of mine. Yes, uh-huh. listening to them, reading books um, by them, and just having a lot of conversations that first year of dating with Blake just completely changed my relationship with the Lord. And there's so much more joy than there ever mm-hmm. was before. And I didn't feel like I was having to just drum up feelings for the Lord, like they were actually there, because I could see how much grace love he had for me yeah I had Tim Keller on my list as well like for sure for me I think um Tony when we were at Baylor was invited to Bible study fellowship and he which is an international interdenominational Bible study but anyway he was going through that and he said I think it'd be really neat if if you join uh, BSF and we could study the same thing and so I did and the teachers uh, Nancy Drucker in San Antonio and Juanita Kripika here it's really the in-depth study of God's word from beginning to end And for the first time in my life, I realized it was one big story, seeing the New Testament and the Old Testament, the Old Testament and the New Testament, and also the calling to apply it to your everyday life. It was the first time I was involved in a Bible study that really had you apply God's word to where you were at. So I would say those two. And then I think, you know, Tim Keller has just talking about the message of grace and just over and over again. Also, Philip Yancey's been... Mm-hmm. very influential in my life and the things that he has written. I would say for me, what person is most influential Christian walk? Probably my mom and an angel. So my mom first, less from a, a preachy have to, more from a modeling standpoint, mm-hmm. far more than she knows and still does not know by how, how she demonstrates her faith. And my dad, too. And my dad, too. Both of them. For Angel, uh, it was more of a, um, just, that was one of the things that attracted me to him in general, was just how very quickly he is to share his faith. But again, not in a preachy way. It's just what he does. Wherever he gets, he wants to have a conversation. And he does it well and very naturally. But I remember very early on in our dating relationship, him coming and picking me up and him saying to me, so I'm just, I've never really walked in and seen you reading the Bible. And I was like, well, Probably because I'm getting ready to go. Or, you know, in very quickly, just like going into this like defensive mindset. And he said, well, I mean, I know you were raised in a Christian family and I know that we talk about faith, but I've never like just walked in and seen you doing that. And it just never got out of my head. And I don't know that he knows that that ever got out of my head, but I think about how easy it is for us to talk about what the sermon was. or But but what does that really look like? What does that really look like to be walking with the Lord and in relationship with him through his word and in his word and him just kind of like, no, I, I want to see, like, that's a good thing. And I want to yeah. see that. But just me thinking, it just really, really challenged me. And it challenged me in thinking as we are raising Dante <laughs> And just in general, like that, that is a priority and that it is, it's seen. It goes back to my mom. 
my mom modeled that and it was evidenced in how she spent her time and what she would do or would not do mm-hmm. and what sacrifices she made to be in the word. Um, and again, it wasn't a, you have to do that too, or sit down right here or you better. But I would say in, in different ways, and I could say a whole lot more, but those two really, really, really stand out. As y'all are talking, it, it kind of reminded me that I would probably say my children also have been a huge influence because I think for the first time trying to be intentional about modeling faith, I don't know that I paid that much attention to it until I knew I've got these two children that are watching me. Mm-hmm. Yes. And not only do I want to explain scripture or God or Jesus or faith, but I want them to see me doing what I say I'm going to do or living that out. And although I certainly don't understand the depth of it, I do think that being a parent is the closest if we can ever get to any hint of a glimpse of what God must feel like and and how he must see us because there is so much where, you know, I think I've wanted to try to convey something regardless of the choices that they end up making. And this was when they were little. And of course now as, as they're becoming adults, but I just, you know, as we were talking, it just kind of dawned on me. My children really have probably influenced Mm -hmm. my, my Christian life more than I know they have, because I think they've made me pay more attention to it. They've also like, you know, sanctified you. Well, <laughs> there are days that you're like, I'm going to lose right, my mind right, on you yeah. right now. Like, let me pray the fruits. Like I right say now. I'm a Christian, but we're about to have a little test right here. <laughs> yeah. But I didn't think about it as a teaching, but it is. It you is. You kind of like realize the end of yourself. You're mm-hmm. like, I literally cannot do this. Right. And they, you know, sometimes not always in a bad way, but they, they have shown me often how much I'm trying to do in my own strength. Right. right. And I think God probably thinks, well, in that key, you know, how she's going to, she thinks she's going to mm-hmm. figure that out. Then I've found myself being like, all right, God, they're yours. Having to get to the end of myself is a lesson that God and I go over again and again and again and again. And I, I guess we always will. You're so true, though, that I think being a mother and like having children really does bring you to the end of, or at least for me, it has brought me to the end of myself. Too. Yeah. Being a parent and being a stay at home mom was and I'm not saying that I'm brilliant at everything else I ever do, but it's the it's the only thing I've ever felt like I really cannot do this. Mm-hmm. Like everything else I've always thought, well, I can learn that or I can stumble my way through it. Or if I'm just, you know, if I'm dependable or diligent, it'll come. Parenting and mothering, I have never felt confident in. Well, and for me, it's a centering thing. Like, and I, and I think about that song, Jesus be the center. For me, it's it's very revealing of, no, my world does revolve around me. <laughs> and the one time that it doesn't is typically a child scenario where I'm like, I don't have time for this. Or I can't, you know, and I, it always starts with I. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, yeah. And and it, it's it's revealing. It is revealing. Yes. So, um, yeah. I'm right there with you. Yeah. I always said right after we had our first, I never knew I was such a sinful person. Right. Right. Until I had children. And I was like, my heart is evil on the core. You know, like, but yeah, definitely. And I was listening to you guys and I was thinking about, it's such a beautiful transition when you think about your spiritual walk from I have to, to I want to. Yes. Yeah. You know, 
And that's a prayer too. It is a prayer. Lord, help me to not. Yes. Because it's so easy to slip back into. Sure. This is a have to. This is a commandment instead of this is an absolute joy and a privilege. And Mm -hmm. thank you. Yeah. I thought that was a beautiful part of your testimony. Okay. Do y'all have favorite Bible verses? And if so, how have they impacted your walk? I I mean, this is probably a lot of people's answer, but Romans 8 is just one of my favorites. When I was in college, uh, one of my closest friends, her name was Chelsea, and we went through, I think it was our second year, our sophomore year, that we would take turns cooking each other dinner at our apartments. And so we'd go over to her her apartment, she'd come over to mine, we'd eat dinner, and we would work on memorizing it together. It was just one of the sweetest memories that I had. Uh, I don't ask me to recite it because I'm not stuck. <laughs> Googling mine right now. You got a tough act to follow with Kristen. Maybe I should yeah. try running while she <laughs> to me. Yeah, really. Yeah, it's, I think, just the whole section on adoption has been really meaningful for me and reinforcing the idea that, that when God looks at me, he sees Christ and um Christ covers me and that he loves me. I know it sounds so simple, but I just, Romans 8 has, has done a great job in reinforcing that since that was such a realization for me in college. And the victory that he, it talks a lot about the victory and that we are more than conquerors at the end. And of course, with the testimony I told y'all earlier, that, that also is really meaningful for me. I love the book of Deuteronomy, and it may actually be my favorite book, which is a strange thing to say. That is so strange. I love that. I know. You don't hear many people say that out loud anyway. But I love Moses and, and how flawed he was as a leader and yet how God used him so powerfully. Of course, right now in this in this stage of our kids leaving, you know, Deuteronomy is kind of this whole book about him going, oh, and y'all don't forget this and remember when God did this and remember how this worked out and remember when, you know, it's all this sort of him going back through their journey through the wilderness and from Exodus. And so I love in um, chapter 8, verse 2, he's, uh, Moses is talking and he says, and you'll remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness that he might humble you and test you to know what was in your heart and whether or not you would keep his commandments. And I've just always thought that's that's really such a neat summary of like the way our lives are with Christ. Like he's always looking at our hearts. He's always humbling us and he's always checking to see like, are you going to do what I've called you to do? You know, are you going to deny yourself? Are you going to follow the commandments? Are you going to love others more than you love yourself? And so it's just always been a very encapsulating verse for me. And it's funny because I, you know, I think that is the weird thing to tell people is your favorite verse Deuteronomy. But, sounds like a life verse um, what you just read. I have been so amazed at different times it has it has been so appropriate in so many different circumstances. Um, so that's that's the one I go back to. I mean, I, I don't know that I can pick a single one, but that's the one I go back to over and over again. Well, so I have two. One's kind of obscure, and then one is like everyone's favorite verse, but it means something. God's word is alive in your life, and it means something special to me. But the first one, and I didn't pull that one up, is Abraham, and it's I think it's Romans 4, and it says, Abraham faced the facts that his body was as good as dead, and against all hope and hope believed that God would do what he promised. It, it has been very important 
uh, to me and my walk with Louisa, who has special needs, and just looking at prognosis and life journey. And and I can remember when we were going through that diagnosis first, I was um, really clinging to that verse that I could face the facts of her condition and her prognosis and all the things that were potentially going to happen in her life and in our life. And against all hope and hope believe that God would do what he promised, which was he was going to be with us. He was not going to leave us, that he would equip us for the journey. And so it really helped me kind of go through what promises I wanted to claim in this situation. And sometimes you can face the facts. And I love how it says his body was as good as dead. Like it looks hopeless, but against all hope and hope believe. And that's just kind of where I was at at that time. So I've always, and I still go back to that verse. And then the other one, of course, is um, Philippians 4, um, 16, right? 13. Oh. Yeah, 4.13, is that that I can do all things? Yes, okay, so, but I pulled it up because that's a great verse, right? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, but also after Luisa's journey, I really realized, you know, people really, I feel like we claim that when we're like going on races or like doing something that may seem difficult for us, but really to see it in context, it's really about Paul's suffering. Um, I knew how it was to be abased. I know how to about, this is a weird version. What is this? New King James. I don't know this. <laughs> anyway. He's talking about contentment, right? Like in all yeah, circumstances. Like in all circumstances, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So if you're going through a trial or you're facing something that's very difficult, it's not really about it's not really about victory, even. I mean, mm-hmm. it is in a way, but it's not victory like the world looks at victory. It's right. not winning this medal. It's right. like I can do this hard thing through Christ who strengthens me. Like I can do it without bitterness or anger or overwhelming sorrow because of Christ who's going to equip me. So that verse took on like a whole new meaning for me as well. Sorry, I don't have it memorized. It's it's fine. I don't have mine memorized either. Yes. That segues into mine, which, um, I mean, again, a lot. I can tell you a lot of verses as well. Probably most recent, like when I think about God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, all of which I have known and believed, but the Holy Spirit is not something that I have really ever, I don't know, thought so much and depended on. And as we all have said here, that continues to be a theme of shaping us as our children. And for me, my probably all-time low has been realizing how insignificant or incapable I am as a parent. Yet, that is exactly where the Lord would have me to be to understand just how big and who He is. So I love the fruit of the Spirit mm-hmm. that I think I have prided, see, I'll just say that word, myself on and have even been encouraged by others in the fruit of Kristen. They have seen evidence of peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness. That was all the fruit of Kristen until she reached her limit. And it, it has taken me being able to realize, oh, wow. So when I'm at the end, he's like, are you ready for me to show up? 
and seeing my goodness and my gentleness. So that has been great and wonderful. And as you referenced earlier, that's not a once and done. It's again and again and again. And then I love all of Paul's prayers. And I really love the message paraphrase of Colossians 1. And yeah, I don't have it memorized. I kind of do. But this one portion of it is something that I feel like I pray all the time. I pray to have the strength to stick it out over the long haul. Not the grand strength of gritting your teeth, but the glory strength that God gives. It is strength that endures the unendurable and spills over into joy. And and so, again, just kind of going back to what you said, um, in the midst of the hard, it's really not about us. It's about Him mm-hmm. and who He is. And um, He is faithful, and He is the same yesterday, today, as well. Like we could list off every verse in the Bible at this point, but those would be two for now where I am today. I mean, this is a fun question. What is one thing that automatically makes your day better? What's just one really, really awesome thing? that Coffee. (laughs) Absolutely. Donuts. I'm a donut person. Do you love hero donuts? Oh my goodness, yes. But I'm also not a donut snob. I will eat those. Like out of the vending machine. Like, yeah. What about the old one. Oh, you know what I'm talking about? Like two of a package at the drugstore. I know. I mean, that. And I like this. I mean, it's So cheap donuts, expensive donuts, coffee and donuts is your deal. Yes. That's awesome. Should have been a coffee. How do you take your coffee? Um, I should have been I, a coffee. <laughs> I take it with just a little bit of milk. I don't do any sugar or, you know, fancy. Milk or half and half? Milk. Oh. Yes. Yes. Um, pretty simple. I don't do it just straight up black because it, like, I don't know. I feel like it messes with my teeth. Yeah, so I just do a tiny little bit of milk. I was going to say coffees, but let me <laughs> something else. Sorry. Go, Kristen. So I would have said that too. Uh, me time, uh, any yeah. of that, any time I get that is is a joy. Music. Oh, wait, I had another one, and I can't remember what it is. Oh, pizza, Mexican. Oh, like pizza, food. The little things, y'all, and my people. Like, I do, yeah. uh, I, I look forward to. It doesn't take much. It just doesn't take much. I go to bed really early and I don't necessarily go to sleep, but I get in the bed and like write in my journal or I get in the bed and I read. And so, I mean, it's very unusual that, you know, I'm not in the bed by like eight o'clock. From the time they were probably in middle school, almost every single night, the kids will pile up in the bed. Kevin has a chair in our bedroom and they will come in there and just chat. Sometimes it's just drivel and sometimes it's you know some story they're telling or something they're irritated with about school or whatever and sometimes it's five minutes and sometimes it's two hours the older they've gotten the later it's gotten and Kevin and I are like we love y'all but you gotta go like we're we have to get up and go to work tomorrow you know but that has turned into sort of an accidental tradition if they're in the mood to pile up in the bed with us it's it's awesome. And they're, you know, Grant's six feet tall and 21 years old. And he's still, he's home for a couple of days this week. And he's last night, first thing, right up in the bed. That's every young mother's prayer is that our kids will want. And we did nothing to encourage that. They just, that's just where they gravitated. And we certainly didn't discourage it. That's beautiful. But that's one of the, if it's a day when they're ready to pile up in the bed, that's pretty awesome. All right. I've got my minutes of silence. Yeah. Like being given the gift of like going and sitting somewhere in the total Mm -hmm. silence, preferably in nature would be my way. Like someone Mm -hmm. just let me go 
sit in the botanical gardens for like an hour by myself. And uh, I'm a very noisy stage of life right now. So that is like so great to sit in the silence. But even like talking about getting in bed, like my kids, uh, my older kids will often get in bed with me at night and we read. That's the thing. We cannot talk. You have, we each have our book and we end up like just, mm-hmm. it's so nice. Their feet that. are so huge now <laughs> under the bed. Yeah. I'm like, Vincent, when did your feet get so big? And it's just such a great time to be together without the pressure of talking or noise. So silence would be my instantaneous better. I relate to all of that. I would I would substitute tea where you say coffee, but otherwise with your lemon and yeah. all of your stuff. Low. Absolutely. Listeners, are you feeling the need for more scripture memorization like we are? We will be starting with the verses shared in today's episode. Becca's favorite, Romans chapter 8, Sarah's, Philippians 4.13, and Romans 4.18-21, and Kristen's, Galatians 5.22-23. But it's Rachel's favorite verse from Deuteronomy 8.2 that gives us pause for reflection. Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years to humble and test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. Listeners, looking back over your life, how has God led you in your own personal wildernesses? How has he humbled you? Was it in motherhood as expressed by several of our hosts? Or perhaps it was a diagnosis or some other unexpected trial? How has God tested you in order to know what is in your heart and whether or not you will keep his commands? If you want to share your story of God's faithfulness with us, email Rachel at rlangston, L-A-N-G-S-T-O-N, at dawsonchurch.org. We would love to share your story on a future episode of this podcast. Tune in next time for our very first Everywhere You Are podcast guest. Until next time, we pray over you, sweet listeners, this scripture from Colossians 3, 15 through 17. Everywhere you are today, may the peace of God rule in your hearts. The word dwell richly in every detail of your life. Word, actions, whatever, be done in the name of Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father.